What's up? It's Kaylee Cuoco. When it comes to travel, we all have a happy place. I just went to my happy place. I just went to Maui, and it was truly amazing. Priceline has always been about getting you to your happy place for a happy price with deals you really can't find anywhere else, like up to 60% off select hotels in Costa Rica or five-star hotels for two-star prices in Cabo. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Dew Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Welcome back to the Final Four is not on the schedule. He is Rod, I am Cameron, uh, and we're here back with um, the preseason breakdown of the Big Ten, uh, and we're at Purdue at this point, um, where if you look at Purdue, this is probably the lowest uh, they've been in a while starting off the season. Um, they go 16-15 and 15 last year, 9-11 and 11 in the league, um, although they were 24th in Ken Palm, 32 in the net. Um, what's your, what's kind of your consensus on them, um, coming into this season and, and what they did last year? Well, I think that, you know, we just got done talking about Minnesota, right? Where we, where we said that, uh, you know, Minnesota was kind of an unusual situation in that the record was bad, but you look at the, at the metrics and it was the profile of a tournament team. Purdue was that, but even more so. I mean, 32nd in the net? You're, you're normally talking about a team at that point that's not just in the tournament, but they, you know, they've got a shot to be a seven seed, an eight seed, you know, coming out of a high major conference. And yet the perception was Purdue was on the outside looking in. Now, mm -hmm. if they'd had a big tournament run in the Big Ten tournament, maybe. You know, if they did something like get to the final but lose, maybe there would have been a case to make. But the, the consensus was they weren't getting in. That's after a five-year run that I would say is clearly the best sustained run of success that Purdue basketball's had since Gene Cady's heyday, like, say, in the early to mid-'90s. Mm. Um, you know, every year – Matt Painter had that team in the Big Ten title mix, and he won a share of a couple of them. Um, he finally had his NCAA tournament breaks the year before last. They got to an Elite Eight and, frankly, should have gotten to the Final Four. Oh, yeah. Uh, they played. I think they lost to Virginia, right? They lost to the eventual national champion, and they had every shot to win that game. Carson Edwards just had a tremendous NCAA tournament and almost carried them to a Final Four. So that was kind of the culmination of a really, really nice five-year run mm -hmm. where he elevated Purdue basketball up to, if not a nationally elite level, then certainly a Big Ten elite level and a nationally relevant point. So not such a big deal. 
that they had a little bit of a down year. They were replacing a lot of guys. Some things didn't come together the way they'd hoped. But again, you say all that, and then you drill down on the numbers, and they were pretty damn good. I mean, they, they were a terrible shooting team. 261 in each field goal percentage. Three-point shooting, which has been a huge part of their success in recent years. They were at 186, and they were 284 inside the arc. Now, the three-point shooting especially stuck out to me. If you remember uh, when Michigan State in 2018 won that big game that essentially got them a share of the title, where um, at Bridges, where Miles Bridges, yeah. yeah, where he hit the three late to, to help them win it. That game, Michigan State's strategy was we let Isaac Haas go one-on-one, and he'll, he can do what he wants, but we're not leaving shooters. MSU never doubles, so that wasn't a surprise, but they didn't even have perimeter guys digging down much. That is unusual. And the reason is they knew if you did that, Purdue shooters would kill you. Mm-hmm. And so that's how much their three-point game as a team was respected by a defensive group like Michigan State. Last year, they just didn't have that, and that really sunk them. Um, you know, they were great on the offensive boards, and because they didn't turn it over a ton, they still ended up an okay number 50 on offense. Um, but But that was clearly where the problem was last year for Purdue. They just couldn't shoot. Defensively, they were great. Um not elite in any one area, but they were good in everything. And that led to them being the number 11 defense overall in the country. So very good defensively, kind of on par with where they've been, more or less. It's just the offense couldn't quite get there. That was the difference. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they lose uh, some players here. They lose uh, Nogel Eastern, who initially transferred to Michigan and then winds up uh, to Howard. Um, and... He had a rough uh, year, 4.9 points a game, four rebounds, 85 assists to lead the team. Um, but his shooting was was pretty bad. <laughs> he is an enigma. You know, he's a guy Michigan State recruited with some vigor. Uh, he ended up at Purdue, from what I understand, largely because he and his mother were insistent that he played point guard and Michigan State had Cassius Winston, so that just wasn't going to happen. You know, they thought that he could be a Denzel Valentine-like player, guy with great size but yet vision and ability to pass. Um, I think that part is true, but he's never come close to developing as a shooter the way Denzel did. His shooting is beyond awful. This is a guy, a point guard, who cannot hit a three, can't hit a mid-range jumper. Mm-hmm. even, and, and that... He's an enigma because I think his strengths are really, really strong. He is a tremendous individual defender. Nobody did a better job against Cassius Winston the last two years than than Nogel Eastern did. He's 6'6", long arms, can move his feet, can guard a variety of players. He's strong physically, decent rebounder. You mentioned led the team in assists. There are a lot of positives, right? But I think his shooting was so bad that – when he's playing a lot because of all those positives, it means your offense is going to stagnate some. 48% and, from the free throw line. Yeah. I mean, they just never, he never figured it out. And the thing with Michigan, he did transfer there initially, and then his credits didn't transfer. So he ended up at Howard. I, the whole thing was just a circus. It was a surprise. 
You know, Matt Painter did not expect to lose him. I've got to wonder if it's going to end up being addition by subtraction, though, because I think it means that while they'll take a little bit of a hit defensively, I still think they've got enough guys who can check. Mm-hmm. Whereas any, pretty much anybody who's going to replace him is going to be better offensively. Yeah. So might it mean that they're a better team for all this? Maybe. Uh, and then they lose Matt Harms, uh, which is kind of hurts them. He was a 7-3 uh, guy, skinny guy, grad transfers to uh, BYU, um, p- had played in 20 minutes a game, uh, 8.6 points a game, 4.6 rebounds, um, 57 blocks. Uh, what was the deal with him? Uh, another one that was a shocker. You know, he told Painter reportedly that he, quote, wanted more, unquote. What does that mean? They want more minutes? Okay. He only played half the game. He split time with Travion Williams. But my question would be, is he truly ready to play more minutes at a high level? I mean, we'll, we'll find out at BYU, right? Um, he's a loss. Purdue did not see that one coming at all. You know, they kind of had a perfect situation with Harms and Williams, two very different players, but two guys who each, I think, were a little suspect in terms of their conditioning. So you put them together, and you've always got a guy who's fresh out on the floor at that spot between the two of them. That's a big advantage. And Harms was an interesting player. He gave him a shot blocking presence, almost two per game. He had a little bit of range shooting the ball at seven three. He was sort of you know he was decently skilled. Um, he had negatives too. You know his lack of strength, I think, still was an issue, and why he wasn't a better rebounder than you would think a seven three guy was. Uh, he got stronger while he was there, but maybe not as strong as they would have liked him to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, those negatives aside, I, I think they're going to miss him because now, you know, you still have Trevion Williams who has questions about how much he can play. So you've got to find a tag team partner for him, and you've lost that guy who was proven in harms. Yeah. Um, so then they also lose Jihad Proctor. Um who was a, a grad transfer, but he started 18 times, averaged um, four points a game in 25 minutes, 40 from the floor, 32 from the uh, three, and 81 from the line. You know, not a bad year at nine points a game, but this was another transfer-up situation where they brought him in hoping that he could replace some of what they lost in Carson Edwards. Well, I guess he did replace some, but not very much. Um he was never able to firmly establish himself, I think, as the guy. Hence, he started 18 times, which was, you know, a little under two-thirds of the games. So he wasn't firmly the guy at all in their backcourt mix. I wouldn't say it was a disaster. Um, you know, I'd give him like a B-minus as a transfer. There have been a lot of guys who have been worse in those situations than he was. But Put it this way, he needed to be much better offensively for Purdue to be a solid tournament team rather than what they were, and he just wasn't quite up to that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then Evan Boudreau um, is, is all done. Uh, he was a transfer from the Ivy League, um, and he had 12 starts, 17 minutes a game, 5.4 points, 4.6 rebounds. Um you know, I don't know if he was quite what they were hoping for, but he actually wound up no. turning out not too bad at the end. It was a weird run, though. Yeah, no, the answer is no. He wasn't what they thought because 
he was a guy at Dartmouth that was great in the Ivy League, and they knew they were going to get two years out of him, not one, unusual for a transfer in this day and age. And they really thought they had something. And going into the season before last, they saw him as a starter at the four and a guy who could stretch defenses, yet be a rebounder, give him a physical presence, all of that stuff. And he really struggled, and then he had injury troubles. So coming into last season, they didn't expect much out of him. He hadn't played that well. He kind of slid out of the rotation. They had other guys, Aaron Wheeler, for example, who they really were much more enthused about. And yet, the way things unfolded, they needed to turn to Boudreaux, and he was actually decent. Um, you know, 5.4 points, 4.6 boards, only shot 31% from three. He was never able to get that dialed in. But 40% from the floor, 83% from the line, um, actually played 17 minutes a game. So they got minutes out of him. Mm-hmm. And he gave them a presence, you know, that they needed to be competitive. So I would say it worked out decently in the end, but it was kind of a weird route to get there. Mm-hmm. Okay, so uh... – for returning players, uh, they bring back Trevion Williams, the six nine junior big man, um, who, you know, splitting time with Harms almost about right down the middle. He still averaged eleven point five points a game, seven point six rebounds in twenty one minutes. Um, so pretty good year for him. Yeah, and I think he can get better still. Mm-hmm. You know, he was a guy, and we've talked about it here before. There was a point in his recruitment where people assumed he was going to be at Michigan State. And then I think Michigan State got concerned about the direction his body was heading in. He got hurt uh, in his junior year leading into his senior year. And even when he came back, he was not conditioned very well. And Michigan State will oftentimes take flyers on guys like that. And the two programs in the Big Ten do the best jobs in remaking bodies, in my opinion, are Michigan State and Purdue. So if he wasn't going to go to Michigan State, he went to the other place I would say a guy like him should go, where they value big men and they can transform your body. And his body has gotten a lot better. They have worked him. He's in much better shape than he was back in high school at Henry Ford. Um, I always liked him. He's not a perfect player, but he's got certain strengths that are, I think, are really attractive, um, to me at least, in terms of how you can build a very competitive collegiate team. Mm-hmm. Um, he has great hands. He's strong. He sees the floor tremendously. He's a great passer, kind of like Derek Nix in that way. Um, good finisher around the rim, and he just vacuums up rebounds. As you said, 7.6 boards in only about 21 minutes. So if you extrapolated that out to a normal starter's minutes, say 30 minutes a night, you're talking about a guy who'd be, you know, right on the right on the edge of being a double-digit rebounder. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what he is. I mean, he was an elite rebounder in high school even when he was out of shape. I think he led the EYBL in offensive rebounding, and he was in terrible shape that last season, and I saw him. You know, as I to finish the MSU bit, MSU got enamored with Marcus Bingham at that time, and that's the route they opted to take. Um, but you know, there was always the chance that Trevion Williams is going to emerge as a good college player, and I think he has. The question mark with him is a very simple one: How many minutes can he play? Because yeah. whatever minutes he does play, he's going to be pretty effective. I think he's proven that. Can he? Can he stretch that out to 25, 26, 27 high-quality minutes a game? If he can, that'll help. 
I, I don't think Purdue can afford him playing only 21 minutes a game. I also don't know if I believe he can play 30. Mm-hmm. So something in between there, I think, probably is where this gets to. Uh, and then they bring back Eric Hunter Jr., um, a 6'3", six, uh, six, Jr., 10.6 points per game, 42 from the floor, 36 from the three-point line, and 76 from the line. Yeah, he, he really improved. You know, he was a, a guy they thought could be pretty good. He was an AAU teammate of Aaron Henry's, mm-hmm. playing for Gary Harris's team. Um, so like Aaron, kind of a not quite a top 100 guy, a little bit under the radar. They had high expectations, and he just really struggled shooting the ball. As a sophomore, he turned that around. You know, 36% from three, that's fine. That's what they need, that level. I think he could get better still. He's got good size at 6'3", like a lot of guys at Purdue. Not really a true point guard, but he can play on the ball some. Um, He's going to be a starter. He's going to play a major role, and I think it's reasonable to expect that he continues to progress as he enters his junior year. He's a pretty good player, really good defensively too. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then Sasha Stefanovic, uh, 6'5", junior, um, 9.1 points a game, 39 from the floor, 38 from three, and 82 from the line. And he takes yeah, a lot they, of threes. He does. 70% of his shots come from out there, so that 38% is a big deal. And that's where he makes his impact. You know, we said Purdue really needs to improve their shooting. Well, Stefanovic and Hunter were two guys that were pretty reliable. They need to be that again and maybe more so. Uh, he was another guy as a freshman. His contributions were kind of limited, really blossomed last year, and I think now is set up. You know, when you think about those Purdue teams of recent years, you think about the guys that they've had at guard. Obviously, they had Carson Edwards, who was a superstar, the scorer at least. Mm-hmm. They don't have anybody quite with that profile currently. But I think about guys like Dakota Mathias or PJ Thompson who were just able to do their parts and, and were solid players who gave them a real boost with their shooting. And then on the defensive end, well, Stefanovic, I don't know if he, I believe he's the complete player that Mathias was, but I think he can give him some of those elements. He's an important guy for them and I, I absolutely expect him to be a starter once again. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you'd mentioned PJ Thompson. Um, his younger brother, Isaiah Thompson, 6'1", right. sophomore, um, who's averaging 5.6 points a game in 19 minutes, um, kind of as a reserve guard last year. Yeah, like PJ, physically, he looks like a point guard. His game really isn't that, though. His value is primarily as a shooter and then a guy who's a pesky kind of defender. Um, he shot 35, 36, 68, which is okay as a freshman. And he's going to play. He's going to be in their rotation. But where he slots in, is he a starter or is he a reserve, I think depends on if he can improve that shooting up another level and then what some of these younger guys behind him can do right away mm-hmm. because they've got talent coming in. But he's going to be part of the mix for sure and kind of in a similar way to what his older brother was in my view. Uh, and then they bring back Aaron Wheeler, um, 6'9", junior, um, who had a little bit of a disappointing season last year compared to what he showed as a freshman. Um, 3.6 points a game this year, uh, or last year. Um, but he took a, a little bit of a step back, don't you think? A major step back. He was really good down the stretch for Purdue as a freshman. 
Um, you know, and he was six nine. He's got length. He's a little bit athletic. He could hit the three. And you look at his freshman numbers, 44, 37, 61. He dropped to 26, 22, 85. So that's an 18 point drop as a shooter overall, 15 point drop as a three point shooter. He can't shoot that poorly again and remain in the Purdue rotation. You know, last year, Boudreaux really saved their bacon. Um, I think this year there's some other guys that they will just simply turn to if he can't play better. They thought that they had a guy who was maybe on track to be a kind of deluxe Vince Edwards, you know, a taller Vince Edwards in terms of his ability to, to impact the game inside and out and on defense as well. And they didn't get anything close to that last year. So he's at a very important fork in the road for his career. He needs to be a lot better. And if he is, you know, he's an X factor for Purdue. If he returns to the level he played at as a freshman, but just more so because he's playing more minutes, um, Purdue's profile as a team elevates, no question. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then they bring back Emmanuel uh, Duwona, a 6'10", 230-pound sophomore from Miami. Um, but only played in about 3.4 minutes a game in nine appearances. Yeah, you know, it, it's <laughs> it's interesting because as we keep, as we talked about earlier, Purdue needs a tag team partner to go with Trevion Williams. He can't be a 30-minute-a-night guy. I just can't see it. Even if he was, they still have 12 minutes or so, mm-hmm. 10 minutes to soak up. They need somebody to step up. Uh, Dewona was a project and the kind of guy that a lot of big 10 programs will take a flyer on big athletic, but raw. And they'll hope that he matures, you know, um, he didn't show much last year. He's in line to compete for a role this year. He's not the only option, but it wouldn't be a shocker to see him emerge and, and play some. I, the sense I get is they think he could be ready to help defensively offense. They're a little less certain of. Okay. So for, um, the newcomers, um, we have Mason Gillis, a 6'8 redshirt freshman, um, who was one of two players in last year's class to sit out. Um, right. What are we looking to get from him, do you think? Well, it's a mystery, you know. As you said, he sat out, and I think part of the motivation was he had been hurt most of his senior year. So the feeling was, okay, give him a year to get acclimated. And, and it also looked like Purdue had a lot of depth inside. Painter has subsequently admitted he sh- probably made a mistake there, that he could have helped them. Mm-hmm. That's, again, in part because I think Aaron Wheeler, Wheeler. wasn't ready. <laughs> um, but this guy is going to compete with Wheeler for that spot. Uh, he shot 45% from three in his junior season the last year in, in high school that he was healthy. Uh, that's a pretty good number. Now, it only came on 71 attempts. That's not the world, but it's also not nothing. Mm-hmm. So it demonstrates that there's reason to think he can stretch a defense. They like his strength. They like his motor, his ability to compete. They think he can be okay defensively. He doesn't have the kind of um, physical tools that Wheeler has in terms of the size and the length, which you can understand them being enamored of. But if Gillis is able to translate more of what he does to the floor, he'll get the minutes. 
You know, I know that about Matt Painter. He's not going to stick with potential forever. Mm-hmm. So Gillis is going to play a role, I think, pretty clearly. It just comes down to how big. Uh, so then the other red shirt that they had from uh, last year, Brandon Newman, 6'5 guard. Um, what 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 is it about him that we're looking for? Well, the, the indication with him was his red shirt was a little different. They thought that he really needed a crash course in learning how to play team basketball on offense and learning produced defensive approach. They like his physical tools. He's 6'5", long. They think had the frame to get stronger. Um but he needed to tighten up kind of the mental approach to the game. If he's done that, he could play a lot. He could play a big role. Mm-hmm. Uh, they like, again, they like his physical tools on the backcourt. The question marks with his game center around jump shooting and passing. You know, Purdue primarily runs motion on offense. And, and so what that means just in a very basic way is to be an effective player in a motion offense, You've got to have, you got to be able to pass because it requires that everybody is a passer because there's no pre-designed spot for the ball to go. Mm-hmm. And then you've also got to be capable of taking and making shots from a variety of spots on the floor, at least ideally, you know. And so those are two things that Newman didn't necessarily have his strengths coming in. Uh, has he tightened that up? We'll see. Um, I think he's going to be in the rotation at some level. It's again a question of how much has he learned and and processed and taken on board and is able to bring to the court. Okay, uh, and then they bring in a, a freshman, Jaden Ivy, um, kind of a highly regarded uh, guy, but six three combo guard who played uh, at Lalu. Um, what are we looking at with him? He's the guy. If I had to bet on one player to emerge as the third perimeter starter alongside Stefanovic and Hunter, he'd be the guy I'd bet on just based on what I've heard about him and a little bit I saw of him last year uh, playing with Lalu. As you said, good size of 6'3". Another one of these guys, you know, Purdue has types, and their perimeter, generally speaking, they like guys with versatility who have enough size and enough game to play on or off the ball, and that's Ivy. Uh, great quickness. They think he can penetrate, get to the rim, and finish. He can also use his handle to create space for the jumper. The word on him is that his jumper looks a little bit unorthodox, but he hits it with some regularity. If that's true, Purdue will take it because they need guys who are shot makers. I I just think that um, he's likely to see time because he's the guy who I feel best about overall, and especially as an offensive contributor. They need somebody who can step in and be a scoring threat right away. As we just talked about with Newman, you don't know. Um, Thompson can help, but I think is kind of limited. Ivy, to me, is the one guy out of the bunch who seems most likely to be an impact player, which they could use. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then Ethan Morton, a six-six combo guard, uh, coming in as a freshman. Yeah, more of a playmaker. So this is more like the Dakota Mathias, at least that aspect of his game, where he led Purdue in assists for a couple of years. That's the kind of guy Morton is. Really good passer, good size at 6'6". Six, six. Uh, doesn't come in with a reputation as a great shooter. So with he and Newman both, you can see where they might not miss No Joe Eastern as much as you might think because they've got a couple guys 
who at least physically seem to have roughly similar attributes mm-hmm. and they think could be disruptive on defense. The question is, how good are those guys at the other end? You know, in Morton's case, I think they feel good about him as a passer. They don't know yet what he's going to be as a shooter. Uh, and then uh, <clears throat> Zach Eady, uh, seven foot three, two hundred and eighty-five pound big guy out of Florida. Um, who Matt Painter seems to scour the earth for these kind of guys. <laughs> he sure does. You know, it's it's funny because the pro game, of course, has gone completely away from this type of player, and I understand it. And it's useless railing against it. it. It's the way the game has evolved, and a lot of college teams programs have followed suit purdue is not one of them matt painter has a type and what he likes is real size and if you are a big kid uh purdue's a good place to go because they're going to get you into shape and they are going to use you mm-hmm. you're not going to be a decoy you're not going to be a guy who you know well just rebound and defend purdue will use you now Edie is a transfer up guy so that's a consideration. He's young for the class. On the other hand, he's 7'3", 285 pounds. So physically, he should not have any. This is not a Matt Harms situation where they need to get stronger. Mm-hmm. This is more like Isaac Haas, where at least in terms of your size and strength, you're ready to go at the Big Ten level. Um, you know, They claim that he's got some ability to shoot from range, so that's good. I think the big issues are the obvious ones. It's how mobile will he be, especially on defense, and how much wind does he have under his sails, so to speak. (laughs) You know, what's the conditioning looking like? They need somebody to emerge, as we said. So Edie is in that mix Mm -hmm. as a freshman. You know, I could see him being a 12, 13-minute-a-night guy if he's ready for it physically, if he can last. Um you know, and, and down the road, of course, I'm sure he's a guy that Purdue projects when he's an upperclassman to be, you know, an absolute load. Um, so we'll see how that develops. But he's got a chance to play immediately just because they need it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so overall, when you look at Purdue, um, you know, they lost the last five of, of seven games, um, kind of limping out of the season last year. But they did have the blowout win against MSU, um, and you know they're they're a well coached team. Um, what are your thoughts coming in? Although we do have them down uh, pretty low on this list. Yeah, it, they were a decent, solid team last year. You know, you just an incomplete one. They blew out MSU, as you said. They blew out Virginia. They blew out Wisconsin. They swept Iowa. You hear that, and you're like, well, that's an NCAA tournament team. Yeah. But they also lost to Nebraska. Nebraska. <laughs> you know? <laughs> I repeat, Nebraska. They lost to Nebraska. So that cost them a 500 finish in the league. They get that one, they're 10 and 10, and maybe the percept, I think the perception would have been, well, they're tournament worthy. I think that one really cost them. Mm. If they'd shot even just a little better, they're probably in the tournament. So they weren't far away. And they got a lot of pieces back, but there are question marks here. You know, can Hunter and Stefanovic elevate their games and be more than decent players, but actually be good ones? Um, can they find a third starter to join them at the guard spot alongside, you know, out of all those candidates we've talked about, out of those four guys? Can Travion Williams take another step forward and can he play a little bit more at the same level? Can they find a competent guy to team with him? 
what happens at the four between Wheeler and Gillis. You know, so there are questions, but there are also some potential answers. I think they're going to be a little bit better, and I think they definitely have a shot at the tournament. I really do. But as you say, we've got them. What do we have them? Tenth? Mm-hmm. Tough. Even in a league as deep as the Big Ten to make it if you finish tenth. I think, and especially in a year where there aren't going to be that many non-conference opportunities to boost your resume. Um, it won't shock me if they can finish higher than this. I think there's a group starting here of Purdue, Maryland, Michigan, Ohio State that I think you can kind of put in the same band, the same range, and say these guys are very close and competitive with each other. And, I, I, you know, if you told me Purdue finished seventh in the league, I wouldn't bat an eye. Mm-hmm. They absolutely are capable of that. Maybe even a notch or two better. Who knows? But right now, if I got a pick, I just like some of these other teams a tiny little bit better. Mm-hmm. But I think they are going to be improved. Okay. Well, um, that'll do it for Purdue. Uh, until next time, the Final Four is not on the schedule. <laughs> Nobody builds 5G like Verizon builds 5G because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America. And the more you do with 5G, the more building it right matters. The more your network matters. The more Verizon engineers going the extra mile matters. It's us pushing us. It's Verizon versus Verizon. 5G built right from America's most reliable network. Most reliable based on rankings from Rootmetrics second half 2020 U.S. report of three mobile networks. Results may vary. Award is not an endorsement. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.